0: Welcome back to the Jordan Sciat Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. There are a couple of quick announcements. First and foremost, this episode was awesome to record. I speak with my amazing friend, colleague, and previous client. His name is Rich. Rich and I worked together about six years ago, and he lost 90 pounds in the time frame that we worked together. Now, Rich was the first client that I ever used the three plates, two snacks method with. So in this episode, I talk with him about how he lost the 90 pounds, and equally if not more important, how he's been able to maintain that weight loss years and years and years after we've stopped working together. So I really think you're gonna like this episode, especially if you struggle with portion control, weight loss, and or sustaining weight loss even after you've already lost it. Uh, We also have a couple other discussions within this podcast, specifically one around hunting, which I did not expect to have, but I didn't grow up with hunting in my life. I know literally nothing about hunting. Rich, on the other hand, is an avid hunter. He's been hunting since he was a kid. And uh, it was a really interesting and unique conversation, especially for for the mainstream media narrative that says hunting is always bad. Prepare for that narrative to be challenged because rich talks about the the ethics of hunting the morality of hunting and actually how Hunting might even be more ethical than not hunting. So it's a very interesting discussion I'm excited to hear what you think about it Finally before we get into it I want to make sure you know that on my Instagram stories I'm going to be doing a bunch of giveaways. I did one last week. It was actually my fiance's idea It went really really well Last week, I just took $100. I uploaded it to a Starbucks gift card and posted it on my story, the barcode. So anyone who saw it could screenshot it. Go get some Starbucks coffee on me. Everyone really enjoyed it. It seemed to infuse some positivity into everybody's day. So I'm going to be doing it more often. Make sure you go to my Instagram. You turn on my story and post notifications so you know when that happens, so you don't miss it. And with that being said, have a wonderful day. Enjoy the episode, and I'll talk to you soon. Rich. Rich,
1: the man. Jordan, how we doing, buddy?
0: Man, this is exciting. So first and foremost, this is always the most awkward part because you have to pretend like we weren't just talking before this happened. But I'm really excited about this, and I know a lot of people are, but I literally just made an Instagram story about it because uh, I've told people a little bit bit about our history together and how all the success that you've had um, before I say anything – Just tell me about you, man. Like, how's everything going? What are you up to in life? Fill me in. Dude,
1: dude, things are good. First off, it's an honor to be here with you. I feel, you know, it's great. I mean, just you asking me to be on and share this experience with you is awesome. Um, Things have been good. I just moved out of the city, uh, moved into the suburbs. My wife and I bought a house. and Outside outside of Boston. Outside of Boston. Yep, outside of Boston. And that was great. You know, it took us a while to finally, like, Buckle down and do that and make that big decision, let that big life change. And uh that was only a couple months ago and we love it. We traded uh city rats for deer in our backyard, which is great. Which is perfect. Something I've always wanted, which is And you have a kid just awesome. And we have a kid, you know, that kind of um we'll say expedited that whole process a little bit (laughs) about us. Um you know Wanting a little bit more space, you know, wanted to give him a better connection to the outdoors and stuff. And, you know, just as you know, living in the city, it's it's hard to do that. It's really hard to do that. You know, the city kind of weighs down on you a little bit. And I had my fair share of that, you know, being a foodie, going to restaurants every weekend, hanging out with buddies like and everyone is just a quick text or phone call away from you. And, you know, we traded that sort of convenience of uh, socialization for you know just kind of to have things a little bit closer to to ourselves you know so yeah
0: you get more space you can relax like it's uh, exactly I, I exactly. love this it's yeah. great. I, I love this I love New York I love Boston but you know after living in the city for the better part of the last decade I lived in Boston I lived in Tel Aviv I lived in New York right. I've been all over it's like I love cities but I wouldn't want to raise my family in a city. It's like, I just, I grew up in a suburb. Like I like having more space, like a big yard. You yeah. know, it's uh. there's, yeah, there's, man, a you, you up. grew
1: up what? Like five minutes away from where I just bought a house, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. When you
0: told me that you were living in that town, I was like, Oh my God, that's insane. Yeah. Literally right down yeah. the street.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So yeah, you know, I think it was, a uh, we had been juggling the idea for a while. You know, we had an amazing rental property in the city, something that, you know, literally no one else had. We rented a single family home in the middle of a big city. And we were like, did we give this up? You had know, a, you had a, like you had a, a fair lifetime. amount
0: of space. Like from, yeah, you had a, a great property. So, yeah.
1: But it's, uh, we're just glad, you know, we got, we got the little boy now. Um,
0: you're in yeah, your home that's... gym right now you got a sick facility like you're in literally a...
1: sitting in my gym right now in front of a space heater because it's 1 degree out right now what,
0: what do you have in this 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 home gym like this looks like an amazing home gym what do you Yeah I, so
1: you know you're, I got you're like I got... the
0: ultimate like you're you're great at planning you like you're very deliberate with everything you do I actually would love to hear about your home gym and your setup cuz this is this looks phenomenal
1: it's still a, it's still a process, but I've got, um, I've got a gun rack on the wall with <laughs> five different, no, not we'll sorry. We'll talk not,
0: about not, that later. We'll talk about that. Not
1: a gun, no, not an g- actual gun rack. I mean like a gun rack for barbells. Oh, That's, those God, are called gun it, racks. Right. 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 Um, I got, I got four or five bars. I got a Swiss bar for like a neutral grip bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. buffalo bar bar, neutral grip yeah, bar. Yep. dolly bar and axle bar. I got a trap bar. I got a collapsible rogue rack, which is awesome, because if I, you know, want Does more it space, care, it folds into the wall. Oh, yeah. that's super that, nice. You know, um, and, you know, I got a couple dumbbells. I don't use a ton of dumbbells, but I got a c- bunch of kettlebells. Um, I got the Spud Ink uh, cable pole, which you can kind of, like, move around. The thing is awesome. It's, like, that's totally amazing. worth it. Do yeah. you have a cable machine? Uh, it essentially is a cable machine you know what i mean it,
0: oh got it got it got it yeah, yeah so
1: yeah. you just put plates it has a little um uh, plate loader down here and you get some plates and you know you don't have to put this massive piece of equipment in your that in your garage
0: awesome wow i didn't it's even realize great. that that's amazing
1: oh it's one of my favorite pieces i've got you know and i just put uh some horse stall mats in on the floor um and i'm gonna install a turf and yeah. So it's coming together, you know, it's, a, it's piece by piece. I'm not finished with it. You know, it's a little too bright in here. I like things to be a little bit more rustic and dark. So I'm going to put up like <laughs> a big wooden wall out here. And so, and then I'm going to put up my deer, my deer heads up inside the gym. So it's going to be sweet. I got all my powerlifting trophies over there too. So, <laughs> they will got like skulls and stuff and like, like angry, you know, Titans and,
0: all the powerlifting it's medals all and trophies, the, yeah, are all exactly, and sort of crossbones. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Right. You have to be as
1: intimidating as possible if you have if, if it's a powerlifting trophy.
0: It's exactly right. So, right. so, Rich, I, no one I don't think really knows much about you, who you are. Um, hmm. You're a coach. You're you're a strength coach. Yeah. Uh, do me a favor. Tell me, just I want to hear your side of what things were like before you and I. Never mind. even started working together before you and I met what you were doing, what life was like in in terms of like fitness and nutrition. And then what happened? Like this, I want to hear your side of the progression of things in terms of training, nutrition, all of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I got into, I started coaching back in early 2008, February of 2008. So I think I'm getting into my 13th year coaching now. And prior to that, you know, I was an athlete, football player, baseball. I wrestled a lot, just like you. And did you wrestled? Yeah, yeah, I wrestled for about five years. I didn't take it anywhere after that, um, after high school, but um, I did a, a little bit of jiu-jitsu. But that, for some reason, the transition was really difficult for me. So I kind of just shut it down. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing. Um,
0: Wrestling is to stay off your back, and jujitsu is yeah. on your back. Yeah. And
1: I, I couldn't understand that. The whole thing about being on your back is, as a safe position to me was like I just kept getting choked out, and I'm like, it's been a huge, this,
0: huge like yeah. mind, mind f with me. I'm trying to watch the. Yeah. Custom, because a lot of people have kids in the car when they listen to this, so I'm trying not to swear as much on the podcast. Sorry. No, no, Sorry. I didn't. You didn't Sorry. swear. I did. Um,
1: I, but <laughs> but I may have dropped an f bomb. So,
0: <laughs> but no, being on your back and using that as a, as a actually an advantage, advantageous position, huge screws with your head.
1: Yeah, totally. So, you know, uh, being in athletics and growing up near a gym in uh, the town that I grew up in sort of like you know, catapulted me into wanting to be a personal trainer and kind of went through that whole process. And I was always kind of looking for that competition. And I met, you know, some guys in Boston that were, competing at a powerlifting gym or lifting at a powerlifting gym nearby and i was like you know i'm gonna give that a a shot and i absolutely loved the competitive atmosphere and you know and i'm the type of person that if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it right i'm gonna go all the way in and it was it wasn't that person (laughs) yeah and i uh i very very quickly immersed myself into that atmosphere and i don't think I understood what came with that territory. I didn't understand what came with that territory because any new power lifter at that time in 2008, you 2009, you have no idea. You know, there's this whole mass movement of social media isn't there for you to sit down and like research and look at these photos and look at these videos. It, it's just not as. Back then, it would, you, I, di- I didn't know what, what I was getting
0: to even- to. even when you just start power even if someone just starts powerlifting now yeah. it, it's one thing to use the power lifts as part of your training it's another thing right. to consider yourself a power lifter right and exactly. to be a competitive right. power lifter to go into that right. like west side barbell world to go into the world of powerlifting is life is very different yeah. than just squatting benching deadlifting and training
1: right i mean all my clients in that case do the power lifts. You know, every Thanks. single one of my clients deadlift, every single one does some type of pressing movement and some type of squatting or yep. movement, right? It might not be a barbell on the back, but you guys get the point. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so getting myself into that world and I quickly realized like, you know, if I want to do this, I need to start becoming a little bit larger than my 180, 185 pound. I was always a little bit bigger than everyone, but, I I had no chance at playing that game if I wasn't about to put on 30 to 40 pounds.
0: Well, that's um, that's what the the old school powerlifting dogma told us. Exactly, right? Exactly. Like at that point in time, early 2000s, people were mm-hmm. like it was it was the GFH yep. get effing huge. Like that yeah. was that was literally it was like the bigger you are, the more mass you can move and that was everyone's goal in powerlifting. Like it was funny when I went to Westside, everyone there, AJ Roberts, um uh Brandon Lilly, everybody there, they were they were like, you gotta gain weight, you gotta gain weight, you gotta gain yeah, weight. They just they just towered,
1: they just towered over you. The
0: you know? the only one the only one who told me to to stay the same weight was Louis, Because he right. understood he was the only one. He understood he's like, listen, all these like young kids, like they're they're talking about get effing huge, get effing huge. They don't he was like, they don't know what they're talking about. He's like you'd actually be better to stay leaner. But I think he was like he was like the earliest guy. He was the pioneer of powerlifting, right? But he was ahead. He understood what a lot of the younger generation didn't get. So I think a lot of the younger generation that you and I were influenced by telling us to get as big as possible did more harm than good.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that it, 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 it exactly. It didn't take me very long to, to, yeah, it didn't take me long to start putting on weight and I, it was any way possible for me.
0: What, what did you So, like talk to me? Like, what'd you do? Like what? what uh, so what so this do? is,
1: I have like so many stories of just the, the savagery that happened behind the scenes of me, um, you know, trying to, to execute weight gain, you yeah, know? I mean, Get bigger. Was, so like I would, I would train a whole evening of sessions at the gym that I was a coach at at the time. And, on my way home, I would like my staple was like a huge tuna fish sub, right? Okay. And like I would, uh, and these guys knew I was coming in, and I would also have because it was so late, I would also have them give me like whatever remaining pizza they had that they didn't sell, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and I would eat that on my way home, like in my truck. I would in just car, like eat, yeah. and then I would go home and I would eat dinner. And like the thing then was like you got to eat rice and beef gotta eat rice and ground beef and i would just have like piles and piles of rice and ground beef and it was just like shoveling food into my mouth like, all the time just like peer and pressured
0: into trying to eat as much as you can to get as easy
1: absolutely can. Yeah. i just i had to keep up i had to gain the weight i had to i had to compete at 220 and 242 and as the years went on it just like it just kept spiraling and spiraling and before you knew it like I was so into like the mass moves mass idea, you know, and like bigger I am, the stronger I am and I wanted powerlifting to define me and I wanted it to be me and I, I looked up to some of the other guys at at this at this facility and I wanted to be them and it it took over my life. It it really did and it took over my life in a really really bad way. Um, I was leaning on it as an excuse to eat like shit. I was, um, you know, I didn't understand that strength had many faces, you mm-hmm. know. I didn't understand that progress had many faces, that it was, to me, it was just this one thing. Sorry, these three things. Squat, the bench, squat, The bench, the dead, you know. And, and to me, it was like, I, I have to focus on that and I have to eat as much as possible. Or I'm going to let, let all these other people down around me. Even Not, something like, in, let's
0: get a bigger belly so that the bench press range of motion is smaller. Exactly. It's worth like, it to have a smaller my, range of motion so nick, I can more.
1: My nickname was Fourboard. Was right? what? My nickname was Fourboard. Because four board.
0: Because Fourboard. You
1: know, Fourboard. Like one board. Like oh, Fourboard.
0: Four
1: <laughs> like <one>, Fourboard.
0: <laughs> right, so I remember right? that. Wow, I forgot about that. <laughs> Oh my there's God! You have to explain that because some people don't know what that means. It's like when you're yeah, explain the four what the four there's, board there's, means.
1: There's an accessory lift where you know when you're lying down on the bench, where uh, one of your training partners will literally place a, a two by four on your stomach, right? And the lift would be uh, bench press to a board, or one board, or two boards, or three, or four boards, right? When you the put the purpose four,
0: being to improve your lockout strength, yeah
1: improve your lockout strength to understand how to drive through your legs, all that. Right. I always had a four board built in. (laughs) I could set my belt perfectly to kind of build this shelf. And I, my bench stroke was like three inches. Right. (laughs) I mean, so it was great. Um, I learned how to manipulate some of those movements perfectly. And How, how heavy did you get? Uh, in my bench or body weight? In your body weight. How, how heavy did your body weight get? I got was probably two, 265 to 275, somewhere in that range.
0: Okay. So, so you gained um, about like almost 100 pounds.
1: 100 pounds, exactly, from when I started powerlifting to when I finally actually, you know, I never – competed at 275 i always competed at 242 um, and i would just cut down you know like a competition or a meet would come up you know a month out i would just slowly start cutting calories down maybe do a little bit of uh accessory work or high intensity accessory work or something and i would quickly i would barely get there too that was the that was <laughs> just that was like morning of i'm like god damn like uh, i better hit the bathroom or something because like there's no getting this, you know, and I would always somehow do it. What, that's the wrestler mentality. of me, right there.
0: What, what made you decide? So you, you spent literally years like gaining weight, focusing on powerlifting, like get yeah. bigger or die trying, like lift heavy, lift heavy, lift heavy. What made you decide to be like, Oh my God, like I need to stop.
1: You know, it, I, I, there were years where powerlifting was like my end all be all. And it was, again, it was what defined me. And I forgot about the other important things in my life, like like my relationship, like, you know, my family and friends and stuff, like having to always make the gym the very first thing I do. Like, But even before we went away on a trip or anything, it was like making all my decisions based off of like what kind of gym the hotel has or... <laughs> out in the day before we leave i have to show up at the gym at 5 a.m and you know and that was ex- looking back at it it was so exhausting and like i i knew i always wanted to get away from it and i just didn't know when the right time was and it was really after my last meet i remember sitting there you know i had just you know squatted benched and deadlifted out a meet feel like crap you know, I just, I need to replenish my body with all these carbs and meatballs and food. <laughs> I'm just, sitting there and I'm just, I am absolutely pile driving a plate of like spaghetti and meatballs into my face. And I just like, I'm sitting there and I finally like, I'm around my family. Like my brother and his wife are there. My wife is there and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, it was literally that night. I'm sitting there. I felt so awful. My face was totally blown out. Every <laughs> blood vessel in my eye was just, and it was like, I felt like hell. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I need to stop this. I need to change. And probably from there, I think that that was probably from there. I, I really stopped, I uh, started reducing the amount of time that I went into that gym and probably three or four months later is when you and I, talked and we had known each other well before this and
0: i saw you at the gym uh, we hung out like we were friends but like yeah 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 hadn't spoken about like nutrition like we hadn't really or, spoken or, about-
1: or what my next step could be right and, you know i didn't you know me being this big shot personal trainer you know training a ton in boston pumping out sessions i had an ego i was bigger than all of my friends i was stronger than all of my friends i didn't want to give it up and then finally i was like i need help with this so do you, you and have, I, met.
0: I don't even remember how it, did you reach out to me? Did you text me, call me? Like, I remember where we met. I remember we met at Starbucks and you and I sat down yeah, at Starbucks, yeah, yeah. but I don't remember it how, had to have how it been,
1: you know, I don't, it was probably you and I just lifting together, you know, trying to figure that out and just, you know, our conversation probably just spiraled into that. You know, yeah. I had known I had known for a few months that I, I was ready. I was but ready please, to wait. Me. Got yeah. it.
0: Was it was it affecting was your weight affecting you in any way? Was it affecting you physically, mentally, like
1: absolutely everything, you know? I was embarrassed to to be around clients sometimes, you know, because I always had to explain myself like I am this big because I am this strong, you Mm. know, I am this big, you know, and I have to be this big and there's no other way. And um so being ashamed of the way that my body looked and being embarrassed to you know about the, the type of food that i was eating at the time you know um i i just i gave up so much to powerlift you know and, yeah and i was just i don't know I, I was just i was so ready at that time that and you know you know what i mean you 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 you, you, you always know when when the time is right yeah know? yeah um, like I decided it was important to me. I decided that it was something that I valued and wanted to prioritize. I wanted to prioritize my health, my life, my family, my like my wife, you know, my future kids. And I couldn't continue sleeping like shit, feeling like crap, you know. Yeah. My we're always hurting. My shoulders, I I was waking up in the middle of the night coughing and like
0: Did you have sleep apnea?
1: I had to. You yeah. You know, like snoring like waking up coughing yeah, I yeah. Had sleep apnea you know um yeah. when you get
0: like, that big like that's what happens like you have like so much pressure weighing down on you yeah
1: yeah you know my to my during the days i was so exhausted i remember like coming home from work in the morning and just taking these like two three hour long naps and you know which i just didn't have the energy to like do my day to like yeah. have my life i just didn't have it you know gosh and that was so long ago now you look back at that like the time that i was like really big was like 2010 to 2014
0: right yep,
1: yep. and god i don't want to ever be there again you know it's, <laughs> it's, it's
0: do you it's- do you is there any part of you that is worried that you will go back there or are you so confident with your where you are right now that it's not not a thing
1: i do think i always have i i one of the big takeaways from, you know, that transformation is that because um, there were times that I did have some ups and downs, you know, like I, I tore my Achilles about 18 months, no, about two years after we met.
0: You are playing football, right?
1: Yeah. You know, I was warming up and I was in the best shape of my life, sprinting up and down the sideline, like having fun. You know, I was so agile, so quick. I was 185 pounds. I was like, so
0: you had lost about 100 pounds, right? Yeah, 90 yeah, pounds. Exactly. yeah. I had,
1: I had lost somewhere around, let's say, let's just call it 90 pounds. And um, God, I felt like a warrior. You know what I mean? I could just, <laughs> I could do anything I wanted. You know, and could
0: you feel the difference? Like, could you, like, when you lost like 90 pounds, could you feel the difference in how your
1: body felt? Sleep, um, energy. The energy is the biggest thing. You know, not just the way you physically feel through your knees, through your ankles, the way you sleep. It's it's the physical energy and confidence. You know what I mean? I was such a different person. I looked good. I moved well. I was like, it was awesome. I was I literally hit my prime. That was it. Yeah. You know, and then ever since the Achilles tear, things have been a little bit more difficult. And I've been I've hovered around two hundred pounds since then.
0: And I always I struggle
1: so, with like, yeah, I've kept it off completely. You know?
0: Like uh, about a 15 pound like variant. That's, yeah. dude, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. You know,
0: Especially being less active because of the Achilles
1: yeah. yeah. Less active because of the Achilles tear. And over the last year has been really difficult with COVID, you know, coming from a trainer who is physically on his feet yeah. 30 hours a week, loading plates, doing all that. Um, and you have a kid. And I have a kid, you know, I'm, Try To maintain
0: that is is incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's been hard, but what you taught me, like you pretty much like you gave me all these tools that have never left. And I've kind of like specialized them into my own, uh, like toolkit, you know what I mean? I've sort of built my own, um, from what you gave me now at this point, seven years ago and I have a lot of strength. Yeah.
0: I I remember. So we we decided we were going to sit down. At the yeah. Starbucks, I remember what which Starbucks was that. Like, what was the?
1: That was Wellington.
0: Wellington, yeah, yeah Wellington. So we're sitting down yeah, at yeah. Starbucks. We're sitting down at this high top table, and I I remember I asked you. I was like, "Do you want to count calories?" And you were like, "No." <laughs> yeah. Like, I just didn't have it in me. Like, I don't <laughs> want to count calories. And I was like, I remember being like, okay, like I need to figure out a way to. Help people who don't want to count calories because up to that point in my career, and I remember I told you this on the phone like a week or two ago, but like up until then, you didn't know this. Up until that point in my career, if people wanted to work with me, they were required to count calories for at least a short period of time because I was like, if you want to get the most accurate idea of how much you're eating, you need to count your calories. But inevitably, there were people who were like, I'm just, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to count calories and they wouldn't work with me. And so when I was speaking with you, I remember I was like, all right, I need to figure out a way to help moderate calories. Even if it's not meticulously accurate, it's better than nothing at all or doing something stupid keto or whatever it is. So I remember sitting down with you and... We didn't sit down for that long. It wasn't like a, a 2 hours. It was like we sit down maybe 20 30 minutes. Yeah, like yeah, three plates, quick. two snacks. Here's the deal. And uh and that was it. And it wasn't even like like you would text me and update me, but one of the th- when you said earlier like you're the kind of guy when you go all in, like you go all in. I was like, "Oh, well, and
1: with uh, this I went all in."
0: You, yeah. And it, yeah. I'll never forget because you were telling me, you were sitting down and you're like, yeah, man, I'll, Any anytime I'm driving home, I'll stop here. I'll get like bags of chips. I'll stop in this place. I'll get food here. And within a week of starting, you're like, dude, this is the best thing ever. Do you know how much money I'm saving? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the yeah. first thing you said. You're like, I'm saving yeah. so much money on my, on my food yeah. right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, just by making my own food and, and going that route and uh, – it was. Just, it was. I. I don't think uh, w- one thing that we didn't mention was how quickly it, it happened, too. You know, I think it was we met in maybe let's call it February of 2014, and I had lost the weight completely by August 2014. That was a ni- about a nine month crazy. Yeah, which was just insane.
0: Crazy. Cra- I mean, yeah, it, it's and for whatever it's worth for anyone listening, like that's that's not expected for most people no like i think because you you took it to the extreme of like i'm literally not gonna go off track once and uh it's funny because i remember i remember we'd like go to your house i go to your house and adam would be there and other people would be there and and rich would have this like funny thing where he'd be like jordan release me (laughs) because (laughs) you for my one meal a week that i have. you're a chip guy like you love chips
1: still am chip guy
0: and I remember you'd be like, dude, if I open a bag of chips, I'm eating the whole bag of chips. That was your thing. You're like, it's yeah. like the bag. It's not like a, a single serving bag. Like, if it's you, if you open a bag, you're eating the whole bag. And so I'd go to your house and you love cooking and you'd prepare this. Adam and I talk about it all the time how, like, going to your house, to have food that you cook, it's like it should be a cooking show. Like you should have your right. own cooking show because like you're so energetic and you're so passionate about it. You're like, all right, here we've got this meat, we've got like this deer, da 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 da, da. and you're preparing it, and then we'd sit down to eat, and you'd be like, Jordan, release me, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then just savagery ensues. <laughs>
0: and, and then, but the best part is like you'd have a ton of food. Right. Some people might call this a cheat meal. I would just call this like you're enjoying yourself with your friends. Yeah. That's what it was. And then and then immediately you'd get back on track. That was it. And it was like you you were the pinnacle of following things consistently. When you did get inconsistent, you got right back on track. There was no if, ands, or buts about it.
1: Yeah, for me, it was like actually still to this day, one of my biggest takeaways was that I, it's always like for me to start being healthy or start with a good healthy meal or start feeling better. can happen immediately there should there i don't need to wait for anything you know and i and me personally i don't wait like if i feel like i might be slipping a little bit i i don't say okay you know monday i'm gonna start monday's the day it it's literally my next meal you know i love that could just be as simple as going and getting a glass of water you know and saying i'm gonna do something that makes me feel good right now you know and And I actually got chills that's super powerful
0: that's super powerful
1: yeah and it could be as small as that you know it could be as small as like i need to go for i'm gonna go for a walk that that is a step in the no pun intended a step in the right direction you know um and i use that a lot with my clients about how you know they don't need to look at a calendar to pick their day to start being healthy yeah you know and now i know that that does work for some people some people love the january 1st thing and hell if that works for you i fully support it go for it absolutely but you know for me it's you know, if I go pre-pandemic, going to Highland Kitchen with your friends, having a burger and fries, it's like I'm not gonna wait till a Monday morning if that was a Friday night to like. Correct. I'm not from Friday. I'm not gonna spiral out of control until Monday morning. You know, you know it's just it's, because it's a Monday.
0: You bring up an interesting point. The distinction between something like a a January one resolution versus the starting again on Monday, right? Where it's like yeah. the January one resolution. I think if it's if it's mid to late november early december and you want to you know wait until january 1 cool that's fine but if it's like march 3rd and yeah. and you go off track on a tuesday it's like you don't wait until monday that that's not so, and, and a
1: lot of people do that and a lot of people do that they use the monday morning thing because you know the weekend's coming up thursday i got to meet my friend for this it's you know
0: bro i get this and, question all the time. Anytime I yeah. do a Q&A on Instagram, all the time, it's like, how do you get back on track? And, and it, it's one of those things where it's, it, the answer is as simple as what you just said. Go on a walk, have a drink of yeah. water. It's literally take the next step now. Don't wait. Don't wait until later tonight. Yeah, don't Just wait until, go right now. Just go yeah. on a walk, go on a walk, take a drink of water. Because I think you, I don't even think that I needed to explain this to you. I think you just, knew it intuitively from coaching and from working with so many people. But I think a lot of people, as soon as they, quote unquote, go off track, they think they messed everything up. They think they ruined everything. They think they screwed up. They think they, they've they lost all their progress. And they use that as a justification to keep going off track. And then say, so, well, I'll get back on track on Monday or I'll get back on track next month or whatever it is. But when you realize that you can't screw it up, that you just, as long as you just get back on track the next step, like, I, I mean, watching you have a whole bag of chips, most people, legit, I would say most people, I, I, I don't know a percentage, but I would probably say 90% of people, if they did that, they'd think they screwed up everything and they'd use that as a justification not to get back on track. But watching you was, it was a, it was like a study in human behavior that I loved watching you because you would do it, you'd enjoy it, you had a great time, there was zero guilt. And then immediately you're like, all right, back on it, let's go, let's go. It, it. it
1: was probably that night, that last yeah. meal you know what I mean? Like, okay, like what's for dinner? Oh, nothing different is for dinner. It's the same thing that I've been doing for the last nine months or a year at that point, who knows? You know, it's, and you know I just loved it. It was actually fun. And, you know, I got support from so many different people when I was going through that process and, you know, my family, they they really couldn't believe what was happening, and my clients and my friends—they were just everyone was just so fascinated by this, and it it fueled me. It really did, you know. And the support mm-hmm. that I was getting from everybody in my life, and you know that's something that I, I, I want to talk about real quick is support. And you know, my wife, like I really owe her everything during that time because. She was my biggest support. My that's awesome. And, and when I say support, I don't mean like rah, 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 you can do it. You can do it. Because I knew I could do it.
0: Right. But I
1: needed help. I needed help prepping meals. I needed help making decisions when we went out to dinner. I needed help when we were having food with friends at barbecues, at parties, during the holidays, you mm-hmm. know. Um, even just at home when it was just us ordering out, um, going to the grocery store. Like that is support. Somebody who can go on that adventure with you and always be not watching you or policing you, but like they know what you're going through and they, they know how to help you and make those better decisions. So support isn't just clapping your hands and saying congrats to somebody. It's, it's be, it's really is like, she just, she helped me tremendously through it. Oh my God. For, for years, we were prepping meals every Sunday. All I had to do was just reach into the refrigerator, grab my meal and I was good to go
0: that's you huge that's it was huge.
1: huge and we learned so much about cooking prepping doing all this stuff and I was able to give that back to my clients and it made me a better person it made um, me a better coach you know it it just it was awesome you know so like if you or you know your significant other are going through this like having somebody to do this with or having a community like what you're giving to people to do this with is so so huge you know i'm not a member of your inner circle and i am really interested in just kind of like seeing what that community is like because i bet you it's very similar to what my wife gave me yeah during that time that i was losing that weight and support is huge it's not just like you know Waving or or clapping your hands for somebody—it's—it's actually being there and understanding what they're going through, you
0: know. No, I love that for a number of reasons. At least of which I'm pretty sure. Tell me, like your wife, like she's very petite, like she's very small. Like she, yeah, she, she she wasn't trying to lose weight as well. I'm assuming, like she, it's not like she didn't have to do it for her. She, it was literally she was doing it to help you.
1: Yeah, you know, and and the way I was eating wasn't a way to get somebody like. You know, it was a high protein, you know, a lot of fruits, a lot of veggies, you know. Um, and actually, you know what? We, it wasn't carb-free. Like, I was eating rice. I was eating sweet potatoes. I was, you know, it was a very, very well-balanced diet. Uh, I wouldn't even call it a diet because I look at the way I was eating that then, and it was just a, a, a healthy way of eating. It had yeah. no label, you know. It was just eating normal. It was eating like, it was eating like a responsible adult. I went from eating like an asshole to eating like a responsible (laughs) adult, you know, and it was great. Yeah,
0: I love that. That and that's that's like nothing is off limits. It's just about making sure you're doing it responsibly. And and same way, like there are ways to manage your finances responsibly and irresponsibly, right? It's like and managing your finances responsibly, it doesn't mean you can't buy yourself a gift. It doesn't mean you can't go on vacation. It doesn't mean you can't splurge on something, but it does mean you should probably do your best to make sure that your income is greater than your expenses on a regular basis. Yes. Right. So it's the same thing. And in terms of community, man, I, that's one of the things that's blown me the way, blown me away the most. There's a huge amount of research about, about community and about how important community is in terms of not just helping people achieve their goals, because actually what's really interesting, especially in terms of weight loss, I've always found this super fascinating. Losing weight is not hard for people, especially if you do it in a very stupid way. You can lose a ton of weight very quickly doing something very, very stupid, but maintaining that is next to impossible. If you do a juice cleanse, detox, or completely restrictive diet like keto, but when you do something in a sustainable way, a slower way, having a community behind you is so vitally important because it's not going to be as quick as those like quick fix methods. It's not going to be as quick. It's not going to be as fast. It's going to be more more difficult in terms of the losing process because you won't see the rapid results. But the community there to support you will help you stick with it. It'll help motivate you. It'll help you stay consistent. Absolutely. And then that methodology will also help you sustain it longer as opposed to the, you know. Yeah trying to do a 21 day juice cleanse which is just ridiculous
1: yeah you know it's for some people finding that community can be really difficult and i think that that's where people like yourself and and myself come in you know to preach this and to talk about this with our friends and family and you know and i i can't believe like thinking back to like us three me you and adam six seven years ago sitting on the back porch like what you're doing now dude is absolutely incredible and to see where you took what you were doing then to where you are now is like it's so cool and i just i love the community aspect of of what you're giving people i mean you're giving it to people it's and and i don't think people understand how hard that is to find it is really really hard to find other people like you you know and to find people to to go into this with
0: you know, yeah, to, to find yeah, a community totally. is especially especially right now with everything going on in the world. Like, to find a community yeah, is very difficult because yeah, yeah. like' you, it's, you can't go out, you can't go and meet in public places. So to find a community is very difficult and I remember I remember when I started the inner circle um, for, when I first started it, I didn't have a community component. I didn't have a a Facebook group. Uh, It was literally just like you have your member password, you go on, you download it. And within the first few months, I started getting emails from members being like, we'd really like a community. And in my head, I was like, "Ah, I don't know, like, is this going to be a good idea? Like, you know, I was was 24, 25 years old, and I didn't really understand the logistics. So what I actually did was I had my web designer, Kevin, build on the back end of the Inner Circle website a uh, a community forum where we could all interact. I've never used it once because yeah. as amazing as Kevin is, the reality is like building an entire essentially a social network on the back yeah. Is, yeah. is incredibly difficult and Facebook just they've they've mastered it. They've done a great job. So yeah. after after paying for this entire social network to be built on the back end of my website, I was like, "You know what? Screw it. We're using Facebook." So I made a Facebook community and man, that community, I, I always say, more important than the workouts, more important than the nutrition, more important than the manuals, more important than the courses, more important than anything in the inner circle. That community, and to see people posting, especially during this time frame, to see people being being like, listen, if it wasn't for this community, I would have like completely went off the rails during this pandemic. Like, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have worked out at home. I wouldn't have got my steps in. I wouldn't have done, like. Uh, you are so right. That the community is, it, it's the most important part, and, and even like
1: it's a built-in team yeah yeah it's it's a built-in team that's what it is or or it's it's a team that you don't even have to try out for you're on it you know what (laughs) i mean i love
0: that i love it's great
1: it's like it it, and it's so important because it it, from what i got from my friends and family um that having that was crucial i don't know if i would have succeeded if i didn't have it
0: yeah that's amazing. I, I was talking to Adam. I think it was yesterday. I want to. We should all do like a joint podcast. You, Adam, and me together. Because yeah. it's really like you and Adam. You guys knew me before I even had Instagram. Like before yeah. I literally was even on Instagram. Like we would all right. hang out and lift and all that. And I was just doing stuff on my website. It'd be super cool to get you both on a podcast and just have us. Who, all knows,
1: who knows what direction that would go into?
0: I told Adam. Yeah. I think you should have your own podcast.
1: Because I, you know, I've, I've gotten that a lot. I just, I don't know. I've, I, I'm juggling a lot right now and it's definitely on the things I, I would like to approach. Um, and I'm still getting used to, I've been on a few podcasts. I'm still getting used to just an open conversation with people. Um, so
0: are you nervous to be on a podcast? Is like, are you nervous at all?
1: No, no, I'm not nervous at all. I think like I would be I don't know how great of a host I would be. You know, it's I think you'd I, be I,
0: I an incredible. Watching you host people at your home to cook is how I imagine you hosting a podcast episode. Okay. And like, I think you you're like the way you speak. You're super articulate. I, I think you the way that you you talk is very welcoming to people and engaging. I think you would crush a podcast. Do you want people well, to follow you on Instagram? By the way, like, what's your what's your Instagram?
1: At Rich three. I think <laughs> I should, <laughs> I should know it because I'm literally on it all the time, but I'll put it, I'll, it's put, very it similar to the, I'll put it it's in the show notes to so people yeah, listening. Like in at China. rich Molloy three or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's like no fitness whatsoever. It is all food and all the stuff that I do in the kitchen. Um, maybe a little bit of my home gym makes it on there. Um, but it really is just food and bow hunting. And that's, that's really
0: it. I want to talk about, you know what, let's transfer into that. So I'll get, I'll preface this a little bit. When I first met you and I heard that you were into hunting immediately, like, like a wall went up in front of me. Like, cause my whole life I was brought up, my mom was vehemently against hunting. And I love my mom more than anything in the world. She, but she had a very one-sided view on it. And she was like, hunting is bad. You're killing innocent animals, da-da-da. But then again, like, at dinner, we'd have beef, and we'd have chicken, and we'd have all this stuff. And, like, it never registered in my mind to ask more questions about, like, right. well, how, like, someone's killing this food. Like, it's getting here somewhere. And I think the image in her mind was people like poachers or people hunting just for the sake of like taking the animal as as like a show but not like right. it, when i when yeah. i started talking to you about the way that you approach hunting my man i'll be very honest at first i had a huge amount of like a, of cognitive dissonance being like well this th- like i wanted to push against it because like this isn't anything i've heard before but hearing you talk about how how much way more ethical it is, and how like how much you actually treasure and appreciate the animal, and uh, and how you use the entire animal, and how one animal can literally feed you and your family for a long, long time, I really started to think. I was like, oh my god, like this might actually be a more ethical way. Even though like I, c- I haven't hunted yet, like I don't have a gun, I have none of that stuff. Um, it's something that I've been more interested in because. to to actually kill an animal i think would be very emotional for me i think it'd be super emotional like to to kill an animal but when i've spoken to you about it you've told me like it's very emotional for you that it is and and it allows you to appreciate what that animal has given you so much more so i want to so that's so that
1: yeah so that right there what you're just speaking of is conscious consumption you know what i mean is being aware of the food that you're putting into your body about the food that is in front of you um Just being conscious and real about the fact that with real food comes death. With real food comes real death. And that's something that I've always, always thought about was, uh, you know, thinking about how this food is getting onto my plate. And, you know, I've been bow hunting for, at this point, 22 years, 21, 22 years. And every deer that I've harvested, I I have a, a very emotional reaction to it. And I just, I cherish that moment so much, but it's, I, I just have massive amount, amounts of respect for these animals that it's, I, I, I don't like the act of killing an animal, but I understand that by it being done by my hands, that it's a much more ethical process than what is going on behind the scenes that I might mm. not know about. I yeah. don't know. I've never been to a slaughterhouse. I don't know what it looks like when a cow gets shot between the eyes, you know, at close range. That doesn't have a chance, you know. Uh, I don't know what that's like, and I'm. We are you and I are both disconnected from a slaughterhouse. Correct. That yeah. doesn't mean that I will not eat that meat. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to eat that meat, but that that means I'm. I'm. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to understand that when I'm eating that food. Right. And. I might have a conversation about that while I'm eating dinner or, you know, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who don't understand hunting or the ethics behind it, they, they just assume that, you know, there's no such thing as a compassionate or moral hunter or a compassionate or moral omnivore, you know, Mm. just because you eat meat does not mean that you are, are not a compassionate person.
0: You yeah. know you know what um, I where I got lost I got lost when when I would see hunters and and they would post a picture of the animal they harvested mm-hmm. right and, and they're like with the with the head of it that's where I got lost being like how like for me be, being like I, I now I have a different perspective being like you put a ton of time, a ton of effort into into being able to harvest this animal. I can understand why you might take a picture. Still though, even when I see those pictures, I have a gut check, I'm like, oh like, it yeah. seems odd for me to, you know what? Like, does that make sense to you? Like, it seems- Yeah,
1: a, absolutely. Me. As a non-hunter, I totally get it. And there are times, depending on the species, that when I, even when I look at those videos, I question, I'm like, is that really responsible? Is that really morally and ethically responsible? I have to ask the question. Maybe it is for them and their family. Who knows? Mm. Maybe they're eating that meat. I mean, I have a picture of a, a deer that I shot back in October, me holding the antlers and being proud of it. And I will never, ever defend a harvest of I will never feel like I have to convince somebody that this is the right thing for me to be doing because I know that it is. And um, it back to powerlifting real quick. Powerlifting first off took away a, a couple years of bow hunting for me, and I was I was not conscious about my food during those years it was just consume it wasn't consciously consumed it was just, just
0: eat whatever I can whenever it's I can matter. however I can yeah
1: don't care about it just eat the food you know and ever since I got out of that it's kind of when I was a lot more aware of what I was actually doing you know because even when I was younger and I would harvest a deer I wouldn't really I didn't understand the magnitude of what I just did I was emotional about it because you know, I knew that this is something that I love to do. I loved bow hunting and being in the woods and doing this, this sport alone. And by myself, I felt very, it was very gratifying as a young kid, as a 14, 15 year old to be walking into the woods by myself with a weapon and walking out with an animal, like none of my friends did that. And at that time, I mean, I wish I had understood more about the food and the venison and the health benefits and how to butcher it the way I do now. But I just didn't, you know, and, but now I'm at a place in my life where every single animal that I harvest is, is so special to me. is so important to me and my family and we eat so much venison and it's.
0: How much, how much does, does one deer, how much, how long will that feed you and your family for?
1: I mean, it really depends. So last year I harvested three deer and they were all pretty small. Um, after field dressing them, they all so what, what, does that what does that mean? So field dressing is cleaning out the insides in the field, Got it, and then okay. just leaving, you know, okay. like taking out the guts, pretty much. Got it. So what? Um,
0: so what you can eat?
1: What? Uh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you're left with about hundred to hundred of, uh, hundred to one hundred and twenty pounds of animal, right? You, know, you can to actually eat. No, 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 no. So 100 to 120 pounds of a field-dressed animal will render about you know, half of that in meat. So maybe 60 pounds, let's say, 50 okay. to 60 pounds. Um, I only shot one deer this year. It was a very large deer that dressed out at 215 pounds. Wow. And I walked away with 125 pounds of venison from that. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's in my freezer now, and that will last us probably until the end of the summer and then the hunting season starts in october in massachusetts and then i'll be back into the woods to try and fill our freezer again you know and again it's it is really important to our family because we 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 eat venison probably three three nights a week you know yeah so i I gotta say man
0: it's i'm glad that so again i've never hunted i think one time i would i would I say one time as though, like, it's just you go out and do it one time. Like, you've got to prepare for you <laughs> to learn how to do it. Like, I think just talking with you about hunting has made me become more conscious about my food in terms of how did this get on my plate, right? Like, for you, you don't like, I'm assuming when you go out to, to try and to, uh, harvest a deer, I'm assuming there are many times where you'll go out and you don't even see the one majority
1: deer. of time. I mean, I probably put, I mean, Geez, I probably put 150 to 200 hours in the stand this year, and I walked away with one deer. That means there was one hunt that I was able to get a shot. You know, but that's being a bow hunt. That's being a bow hunter on in Massachusetts. For
0: Why people. do you bow I mean, hunt and not use a gun? I'm interested in
1: that. Um, there is definitely an ethical piece to that. I not that I think that I'm giving a deer a fair chance because I'm doing a tremendous amount of scouting and I have cameras in the woods. Do you? Um, I do. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I like to phase out deer, right? So I'll set up cameras in a spot where I think that there may be deer. I'll try to phase them out at certain parts, certain parts of the summer, certain parts of the fall, and I'll track them and I'll grid them and I'll put myself in a stand based off like for that day, I might say, okay, wind direction is this temperature is this, I have a good Man, feeling that this there's going to be science. a
0: deer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have a good feeling that there's going to be a deer here tonight, you know, or based off of the moon phase, or based off of whether or not they're running, which is uh, mating. Yeah. Um, so, but when you're a bow hunter, I saw a ton of deer this year. I probably I saw hundreds of deer in the in the in the woods this year. But because I'm a bow hunter, I need to make sure that I'm a certain distance from that deer, an ethical distance from that deer, in order for me to take a shot. I would the majority of the of the deer that I shoot are under ten yards. Now think really? about ten yards under 10 yards. i think oh my about God. you're right yards, up close, right up close. Yeah. So you're not like shooting from have,
0: 200 yards away with a sniper. No,
1: no. And that for me is, it helps me connect more to that animal um, by being that close and being able to see them in their environment. Um, not that I have anything against people who hunt with guns. Cause I understand that while the people who hunt with guns, one, it's a different skill set than hunting with a bow. Not that it's harder or easier. It's just different. I grew up shooting my bow. I grew up hunting with a bow. That's what I know. If you put a gun in my hand, I'm not sure I'd be able to go out and kill a deer ethically with it. Yeah. You know? um, so, but I also don't see, I would never take a shot at a deer that I didn't feel like I had a good chance at. Because you would want kind to of
0: injure it and then have it go away and
1: have it you know, I wouldn't want to, yeah, if I'm going to take a shot at a deer, I'm going to be eating that deer, you Got know? It.
0: Man, it, it's so, I, cause, and maybe I just, I've never really done much research on it and tried to hear about it, but I don't, any discussion of hunting, I don't hear people talk like this. I don't hear people talk about how, how cherished the animal is. I don't, I don't hear people talk about, when you talk about it, it really makes me think like, man, I think that I, I talk about this all the time usually the hardest decision is the right decision right yeah. in terms of and this is in all aspects of life it is significantly harder to educate yourself enough prepare yourself enough to go out to harvest your own your own food than to take the time to do that ethically i couldn't imagine taking the animal back out of the woods like i like just thinking about you like okay cool you you shot this this deer now you have to then do I don't know I don't know yeah. where to begin, but yeah, I mean you're back home. Yeah. It's not like you get out yeah. like like. I
1: it's like not, just shooting, so it's much not just more shooting. It's not just with the animal. food. Yeah, yeah. There's it's not just shooting an animal. There's the, the process. I always say the 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 hunt. It really the hunt really never ends until I'm sitting at my dinner table. You know, feeding it to my family. You know, and even at that point, you know, I do have a rule where I don't know if you've ever been a part of this. Where if I'm serving venison to somebody who has never either had my venison or had my cooking, I tell them about how that food got there. I say, hey, you know, you're about to eat venison that I harvested. I'm going to tell you about this hunt and I'm going to tell you about this deer and what I went through to get this deer and, you're, and we're going to eat this together and we're going to experience this together, you know? And, you know, Adam has... I've talked to Adam about this a lot. He's had a lot of my venison. Uh, Rob, you know Rob Rob Yeah, Cometta. yeah. He's yeah. had a lot of my venison. We've had many conversations about this, and I just I I I think it's such a cool thing because when you go to the grocery store and you get a, a chicken from Purdue and you eat it, you know, <laughs> you there's like it's just like okay, here's the chicken. Let's eat it real quick and then go watch TV. Dude, you
0: know? literally, you I I don't even look like I'll, I'll like I, yeah. I'm bring it, the cart's going by I look down take it out it even even easier for me now cuz I, I order most of my food on Amazon it gets delivered to zombie dude or it literally gets delivered zombies. to yeah. me and man it, talking yeah. to you about this stuff I, it doesn't change the fact that I think it would be arguably the one of the hardest things that I would ever have to do but in my mind I go to man maybe that means I have to learn how to do this so I can really respect and appreciate this food more
1: yeah you know the the, the majority of city folk uh, they and actually people who are non hunters have, have, have no connection with the food they just go to to Trader Joe's they grab their frozen vegan burrito and, and never <laughs> have, how that they never consider how that food got to them you know but that they, they are quick to say that hunting is unethical and it's it's unethical to harvest an animal for food you know but that food's getting to them somehow you know yeah, yeah. And, and, and death is, is present along the way. They just, they're just choosing to, to not think about that part. You know, like think about Beyond Meat, you know, or The Impossible Burger. You know, you are, you are, you are putting up a wall between you and death, you know, and that's it. You, you are just not willing to accept the fact that in order for humans to survive, that an animal has to die, you know, or in some capacity because animals did die. With those, with that food being made, yeah, you know, in some capacity, an animal died, you know, and, you know, if, if you, if you understand your actions, that your your actions cause an effect, then the intent is there. You know what I mean? Mm, so it. Yep, it yep. I, I think that all uh, maybe I'll I'll go into vegans and vegetarians. I I think that deep down they all know, they all know that no matter what, that there is death there, you know, and I just choose to have my food my way, you know, and yeah. it's, and I'm not ashamed of that. And I'll never defend a harvest. And I get a lot of people, you know, I don't have a ton of Instagram followers, but I have a pretty good community. And, you know, sometimes people are always chirping at me. I'll get people chirping at me for, you know, putting up a video of me, you know, Field dressing a deer, like I'll put that stuff up on Instagram, you know, and say, Hey, this is it. I just harvested a deer. Now you're going to watch me process that animal. <laughs> you know, let's see it. You know, this is how your chicken got onto your plate that you just bought from a grocery yeah. store. Yeah. You know? Man, um, I,
0: I follow a bunch of nature accounts. There's this one account, Nature is Metal. Um, there's like, I follow a bunch of nature. I want to go on a safari. Like, I've, ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to go on a safari. And I remember I started following this one account, Nature is Metal, on Instagram, and dude, they sh- they show the most gruesome kill, like of lions killing animals and alligators killing, and it's just like they- there's no censor. It's like this is like you're gonna watch this animal, and man, I remember when I first started, I I unfollowed the account. Because I was like, I don't want to watch this. And I had this thought process in my head. I was like, why did I do that? Why did I not want to watch something that is literally like the like the this is life. This is this is like This is life. life that is
1: at its, it's there. Yeah. And it's That's most problem. primitive
0: at it's most basic. Why can I not watch that? And then I followed the account back and I started to like force myself to watch this stuff because I think it's it's made me, number one, it's made me appreciate life much more in a weird way. But also number two is it's made me you see some animals in this account like they were like a lion will have like taken a bite out of a zebra before somehow like the lion the hyena started coming in and the lion and the hyena started battling and the zebra was able to like run away like 50 meters whatever it is and you get the shot of the zebra that's like half eaten and it's still barely alive and in my mind I'm like there is literally nothing I can complain about right now there's literally nothing in my life worth complaining about when stuff like this is happening every day to animals, to humans, to like, this is, it makes me really have a lot more perspective in life in regard to, I'm so blessed. Like, wh- like I'm literally sitting at my desk right now talking to a great friend. It's like, I have nothing to complain about.
1: Right, right. And, and looking at that account, it kind of puts into perspective. Like, I hope people understand that. That is, uh, that used to be us.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That used to be us. It's this, this whole thing of us making fake meat in a lab is, is that's just a very, very, very short time frame that we've been a part of, you know? Even even opening up a Twinkie or, you know, eating kale, you know, it's, it's <laughs> that is real. You know, that is real life. That is real food for them. You know, I'm not saying, you know, go out in the woods and rip a bird's head off with your teeth, but like- Of course not. You know, of course, of course not. But, and I don't do this. Now I'm not trying to be a, a food elitist here, right? I, it's not like I'm going out into the woods and foraging mushrooms and doing all this crazy stuff. It's, it's, I, I'm not, I'm not a hippie. Like, let's be serious. Uh, but you know, I still, I, I buy meat from the grocery store all the time. Right. I went to the grocery store this morning and bought a steak and I bought a whole chicken, you know, I, but I'm conscious about what I'm doing. I'm right. conscious about how I'm going to prepare that food and, maybe what that animal had to go through to get there, you know, or the process of that, you know, or maybe trying to make a better decision of, of maybe I'll go to a farm to go get my, to go get my produce, or maybe I'll go to a, uh, a farm to go get a chicken or my eggs or, or support somebody's business, somebody's small business, you know, um, I'm, I'm conscious about it. I can't be perfect. We can't all be perfect. You know, um, we all have, constraints you know um but i think just being real with yourself and being conscious about it is so important even if you can't go and get venison as long as you are acknowledging the fact that you're eating something that died for you yeah. you know and i think about that a lot a yeah lot. i think i think about that you know that pretty much fuels uh, my hunting you know i am so motivated to get out there and be in the woods because i want to provide for my family in that way you know and 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 i have so much respect for the, for these animals i am such a huge animal lover i love dogs i'm, I'm, I'm a closet bird fan right i have <laughs> Yeah, hey, i am it's the weirdest thing you know only a few people know this about me but like i'm such a nerd, bird nerd right and it's i think nature's incredible and that's why i love being out there and it's just how i choose to experience it is through hunting you know i
0: mean i know for me personally i before I ever spoke to you, I would have I would have fallen into the hunting is unethical thought process. Mm. But yeah. through speaking with you, like you've single handedly changed my perspective on this. Yeah. And like to hear a hunter say like I'm a huge animal lover is like it's still like it's like whoa that's weird. But when you hear you talk about it and how much you yeah. appreciate it and how much perspective you have, because so much of life is about perspective, right? That's literally what life right. is. A, a huge, like you have perspective and if you want to create a better relationship with food, I think it's, it's almost like a two-way street, right? It's where it's not, just, it's not just about your relationship with the food. It's also about thinking about how the food got there. And that's yeah. another aspect of your relationship with food. And I think the more that we can have that perspective when thinking about it, then uh, I think the more we can improve our relationship with food. And and even Absolutely. again, like dude, I've never hunted. I've never hunt. I've never shot anything. We'll catch. Ever. We'll catch you out there. It we'll scares the hell out of me to even th- and like literally, I get emotional thinking about it. But I think that means I have to try it because th- you have to do hard things.
1: Yeah. I'll start now, you know, I, I suggest watching some videos of people being out there, being out in the woods and, you know, it might take some time out of the city for you to, I <laughs> doubt there are any bow shops in New York city, but definitely you know, not. Never, any next time you're in this area, I'll have you come out and shoot my bow and we'll get you set up and you can, uh, give that, a, give that a crack. Cause there's nothing it, like it. It's, it's so amazing to get behind a bow and to learn how to shoot and shoot. i I would love that man
0: man this is this has been amazing is there anything any final words whether it's nutrition fitness hunting anything that you want to leave people with
1: no no i mean i i think uh, real quick going back to natural nature is metal when i said that we are that i don't actually mean that we are a alligator like ripping off a zebra's face i just mean that you know we are inherently meat eaters we are we are mammalian we are human and that means that we should be eating meat in some capacity or at least respecting it yeah know?
0: absolutely yeah. i mean we that's how we would we were hunter and gatherers like we would yeah. hunt our food that's how we survived yeah great yeah and it's funny i mean i remember like watching uh it's so funny i i started to get a lot of perspective reading the comments section of those posts because for example i recently saw this video of an alligator it wasn't an alligator there were three cheetahs Okay, three cheetahs were drinking out of a water hole. Out of nowhere, literally, water is still. No, you see nothing. Yeah, so scary, Out of yeah. nowhere, an alligator yeah. or a crocodile—I don't know which one—I still can't tell them apart. Comes it, up and takes one. Takes one of the cheetahs and just brings yeah. it in the water, and and it's gone. And the other two cheetahs—they—they show the other cheetahs like howling, like they're mourning the loss of the one yeah. that they just lost. Like just like humans, they were mourning the loss. And in the comment section, there were some people who were like, "This is so brutal. This is terrible." But the replies to those comments were like, "This is nature. Like, this is what happens. This is like to to." I, I remember even seeing there were there were videos of um, of animals being chased, and and humans would intervene right humans would intervene in this like natural habitat in this natural environment a human would intervene to prevent one animal from being eaten by another animal and some comments were like oh thank god like that like whatever got away from the hawk or whatever it is and a lot of the reply comments would be like what you don't understand is like you just disrupted nature's natural like natural the i forget the The, um, the order
1: right the order of nature right so it's it's like now that hawk isn't going to be able to bring that food back to its To its babies. Exactly. Their babies. So yes, I understand that you're sad that the rabbit is about to get eaten as a meal by a hawk. Right. But at the same time, you know, it, it needs to feed too. its life as well. You know? Yeah.
0: So crazy. It's, it's really given me a, and I didn't expect it, this conversation to go down that, that rabbit hole, no pun intended, but um, it's, I love talking about stuff that makes me uncomfortable because that's yeah. where I think I learned the most. And, um, yeah. I, I, really appreciate you, you, number one, sharing your, all about your weight loss and, and all about that, but then also about this aspect of things. Cause I've never spoken about it before and, uh, I appreciate it, man. So thank you. This has been a blessing. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put, I'm going to check your Instagram to make sure that it's the actual right Instagram handle <laughs> and make sure if, if you're going to go follow rich, There's very little fitness and a lot of hunting and a lot of that. So if you're interested, go for it. But don't feel obligated to to go look because if you don't like seeing hunting pictures, do not go to (laughs) his Instagram.
1: (laughs) It's not that gruesome. It's just it's actually mostly food at this point, you know.
0: So one time I'm here to talk about cooking because I love hearing you talk about and you're a great chef.
1: Yeah, you know, like I would love to, you know, explore that with you and talk about cooking. You know, maybe give you a couple recipes or something like that. You know, and yeah. uh, go live, cook, do do a little cooking live thing or something. Let's talk. That'd about be great. This. Yeah. All yeah. right, man. Dude, Jordan, thank you so Jordan, much. It's been a blast. So thank, thank, thank you. I mean, this has been incredible. I'm, I'm privileged to be on here with you and kind of share my story. I'll talk to you soon, man. Jordan, great. Bye.